0: there, welcome into to another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. Super excited to have you back here in with us today. Uh, my name is Rick McClatchy, one of the staff pastors here at the Rocky Butte campus in Portland, Oregon. And just a, just a shout out to our, our family over in Vancouver at the Mill Plain campus, Tigard, Beaverton, and that area at our 217 campus downtown. Shout out to the downtown campus and all the way down to Eugene to our Eugene family. Love you guys. So excited to be a part of this family. We're going to take this episode to dive in once again to our all church leadership retreat where Pastor Mark actually spoke a great message titled Being in the One. We're just going to focus today on the most important relationship we have. That is our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I really believe your heart will be ministered to today. Encourage you to just Settle your heart for a few minutes as we listen to Pastor Mark, and I'll pick you up on the other side. God bless you.
1: And, and I really wanted to start with a word that's really about you and Him. And, and the title of this morning's message is this Being in the One. Being in the One. And I want to put this on the screen, just kind of the big thought for this whole week. It's this, is that Jesus is our example for the journey that God's mapped out for us to become all that he's created us to be. It's not enough just to know about what he's done. It's about being in him, not just observing what he's done. And as we, as we dive into this word today, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important for us just to stop and push aside all of the challenges and pressures and the anxiety and the uncertainties. And, you know, as you get into conversations in the natural realm, I mean, we, we can fellowship all of this stuff. And I believe it's a fresh indicator. It's an indicator that maybe our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. That maybe every time that we're feeling discouragement or depression, or anxiety, or uncertainty, or fatigue, whatever you wanna put in that box, I think it's an indicator that we've lost sight of who we are in Him, and we begin to look to ourselves and our own natural talents and abilities and gifts and strengths to somehow help us through that particular situation. And I think that the older that I get, um, the more I realize that um, it's not about me. It's never been about me. So I need to forget about me. I mean, when you really just stop and think about it, when we get into these spaces or this place where we're feeling overwhelmed with stuff that's happening or things that are, are unfolding in front of us, somehow we think that, we have something to do in that to make that happen. And yes, there's a responsibility on our part, but how often we lose sight of being in him and what he brings when our eyes are focused on him. And so I I, I want us to just kind of focus on this thought here, and I'm just going to try to unpack some thoughts here, is is that who we are in him is the key to what we do for him. I want you just to to let that sink in for a second and just think about where you're at, your ministry, your life, your journey, your strengths, your weaknesses, whatever, And, and, and just focus on the fact that what we are in him first is the key to what we do for him or what we don't do for him. Or how unfortunately unfolds contrary to the way he wants it for him. And, and we come to this thought, you know, is that, that we have to recognize him, and, and this would be old news for all of us, but we're created by him to live in him for him, right? Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. And sometimes, even as leaders, we can hear this all the time. Kind, I can already kind of, you know, feel in some of our minds, okay, this is old school, got it, checked, but. Oftentimes, what we're doing trumps who we're doing it for. So all of a sudden, our focus begins to be on what we're doing, not who we're doing it for. And it's an indicator that we're not in him, right? And we make the ministry our focus versus the maker of our ministry the focus. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves, maybe you pray this way. God, would you help me today to do this? Somehow we, we look at this as our ministry or what I need to do. And so we ask God to come tag along. God, would you come and help me to do this when in actuality, it's the opposite. God, help me to do what you're doing. I want to be drawn, not driven. I've got to change my thinking. And oftentimes in our westernized culture, we get this performance-minded set or or mindset when it comes to the things that we do. And it's no wonder that we feel the tension and the, the fatigue and the weakness and the insecurities and the fears and all of those things that come our way. It's because we forget to look at the way that it's supposed to be. And here's the good news is that that Jesus knew that you and I would live that way because he knew that we were extremely human. And it's pretty cool because as you look at the word of God today, you, you, you begin to recognize that there are countless examples where Jesus tries to help his disciples, not so that we can look at it just from a historical context, but realize we're those guys in that story. And we do the same things as those guys in the story, right? And so so I want to look at this portion of scripture, and I'm going to ask you just to turn into your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And I want to just kind of unpack this chapter a little bit because I think it's a profound life-impacting chapter. And verses four and five, which is kind of the focal point of where I wanna go today, Jesus is telling his disciples this. He says, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's interesting as you just kind of look at the backdrop of this particular scripture and and, and really what's unfolding as Jesus is communicating this particular scripture, the context of it, you know. It's literally hours before he's going to be arrested. He's going to be prosecuted. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die one of the most horrific deaths that a human being, God in the flesh, obviously could ever potentially die. And and as you look at this particular story, and again, as, as the day is unfolding hours before, Jesus, you know, it starts with him in the upper room and he's with his 12 disciples and they're sitting around the table and it starts with this idea of communion and Everybody's sitting around on pillows and you can almost sense or smell you know, the lamb and the, the onions and the fresh baked bread and they're sitting around. It's this real cool setting and the wind's blowing and Jesus is there. It's this intimate moment with Jesus. They have no context to what's ahead of them or what's ahead of Jesus. It's just, it's just this intimate moment, right? And it's, The mood suddenly changes. In that, he, he stops what he's doing and he does something else. He begins to wash their feet. I, I mean, I don't know if you just really think about that for a moment. I mean, you think about disciples' feet, the gnarly toenails, like sweat and dirt between cracks. It's just like, <laughs> but, but things begin to unfold. So here he is, he's having this beautiful communion moment. He's going into the situation where he's washing feet. And this is all happening within a matter of minutes or hours. All of a sudden, you see the betrayal, where all of a sudden he's saying, Hey, one of you, by the way, are going to betray me. And it's just like this. He's beginning to try to paint a picture of what is in store for them and why this scripture, when he states it, is so critical. And all of a sudden, as he's done doing all of this stuff, Judas leaves and he gets his 11 disciples and he's like, Let's go take a stroll. Right? He's on his way to the garden and he leaves with his lamps and they're walking through all of the crowds of everybody's wondering if the Messiah's ever gonna come and they're bumping into the Messiah himself and they're walking down the path, down towards the Kidron Valley and they're passing the vineyards and all the grapes and it's kind of like in this context. He knows what is in store for them, they don't. So he has revelation as to why this statement is like really, really important. This isn't like just a good teaching. You know, he's almost like he's holding the grapes and he's trying to talk to them and they're just kind of like, check, got it, grapes, good, what's next? They have no context to what's about to unfold. And it's interesting when he grabs a hold of this and everything's around, he goes back to that scripture and he talks about this. And he basically is telling them, listen, you got to abide in me and I in you. And again, there's, okay, I got this story. But, but here's what lied ahead for them. And I think this is so important because within a matter of minutes, this is what would begin to unfold. This is why this teaching was such an important teaching for them and they didn't even know it yet. He would be betrayed, arrested, convicted. They would betray him. They would have fear, disappointment, confusion, and grief. Jesus would face a brutal death and go to the cross. They would face days of unbearable sorrow. There would be a resurrection. Jesus ascending, their commissioning, the command to wait and pray, Holy Spirit encounter and then filling in the upper room. they preaching, thousands saved, launch of the church, explosive growth, Jerusalem turned upside down, ongoing trials, future persecution, scattering of the church of the nations, birthing of the church. Ultimately, many of them would be martyred. And it's like Jesus could see that. He knew that what was in face of them or in front of them, they couldn't do on their own. And he's trying to shake them and say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Stop thinking you can do it. Stop thinking that it's something that you do or your strengths or your gifts or your knowledge or your wisdom. He says, it isn't about you. It's never been about you. Abide in me and I in you. I'm the vine, you're the branch. I see what's coming. Here's what's in front of you. So he's preparing them to say that if you don't find this place where you learn just to be in him, life as you know it will be really, really difficult. And I take a look at that particular context of what he's saying and we obviously recognize that he saw something that they didn't see. Let me ask you the question. Could it possibly be that God actually sees what's in store for us? Is it possible that he knows that you're going to face trials and disappointments? You're going to face some challenging situations life is going to unfold different for you than you actually wished or hoped it would. And maybe this scripture and what Jesus is saying is he's saying to us as a church family in this moment, in this hour, as we look at where we're going and we kind of see dimly, the culture in which we live, the world that's falling apart, the trials and persecution that are in front of us, maybe this word's for us. Maybe what he's actually saying more than a cute word with some grapes in his hands. I'm the vine. You're a branch. It's not about you. If you're not connected with me, you can do nothing. And I actually believe that this is uh, so important for us at this juncture of our journey to just stop and say, God, help me. That's why I appreciated worship this morning. Christ alone, the corner stone. It's just like, God, help us to find that space. Yeah, right. And as you look at this portion of scripture, you find that really in these last words that Jesus is sharing, it's like, it's like he's trying to get across his one desire. And in 10 verses, he uses the word abide 10 times. How many would call that biblical pattern? It's just like, Hello, McFly. It's like, how many times do I got to use this word in this particular few phrases to help you understand, like, this is a really, really big deal. What you're going to face in a moment, you better get this. We're going to talk about branches and vines and all of the different symbology that we're going to bring up. But let's go back to this thought 10 times. Abide, 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 abide. That's what he's trying to do. And when you look at that word in the Greek, it's actually the word arrow, and it actually means this. It means to stay, remain, to exist, to keep on, to continue in. And I think Jesus is making a point pretty clear. And we get this in our heads, but how often we just drift from this reality? I mean, I, I... I'm starting to be like one of the old guys and I still find myself at 58 years old just going, man, I just, I just got to get back to my knees, my face and just stop because I've drifted from being in him. And in a, you got to catch this point because I think this is what Jesus is trying to communicate. Abiding in Christ is not something we do. It is who we are. It's not it's not a performance thing. It's not like an action item. It's good. You know, Luke says it best in Acts 17, I believe it's Acts 17, where he says, In him we live and move and have our being. It's like there's nothing I can do to make me an estes. I was born that way. Right. It's not an action, it's a position. It's the same thing about being in Christ. You were born again in Christ. And we've got to find our place in him and recognize that it's in Christ that we are able to have everything that we need in him. You know, the Apostle Paul himself, you know, 160 times in all of his epistles, he It says, in Christ, be in Christ, be in him, Christ in you, you're in Christ, be in the Lord, 160 times this whole idea about being in him. But what you begin to see as this unfolds, and I I, I wanna get somewhere with this this morning, is that there's actually an intent behind abiding in him. In other words, It's critically important that we're in him, but there's also a purpose for being in him. Because he brings up this idea about fruit, and he's the tying fruit to abiding. And so it doesn't end just by being in the one. He's also saying that there should be some kind of outflow of fruit from being in the one. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians 2:10. He says this: For we are his workmanship, what created in Christ for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, there's an intent behind what Jesus is trying to communicate here, and I believe that abiding in Him allows us to fulfill our purpose to bear much fruit. There is a purpose behind why we exist. You look at the fourfold purpose of man. It's not just relationship and character. There's there's other components to it when it comes to multiplication and things that God wants us to do to be part of his kingdom. But the fruit is determined by the root. In other words, the outflow of what you do is a revelation of who you are in him. And sometimes we don't have any fruit, bad fruit, little fruit, because we're not in him in the way that we're supposed to be. And so you look at this this whole idea, and I believe that it's very evident to see as you walk around and see different believers, leaders, each other, whether we are in him or not. Right? Your inner fruit, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that's not something that actually you pray for. It's a byproduct of being in him. And so if you find yourself always being judgmental or critical, you find yourself being um, worried, depressed, that's the wrong kind of fruit. So if you find yourself in conversations and in life and anxiety and pressure and all this stuff, it's an indicator maybe that you're not as much in Him because the outworking of being in Him should be joy peace and love and... Long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and goodness and self-control. And you look at all the things. He's saying there should be an outworking about what's in you because you're in him. The second part, too, is actually is what kind of fruit do we have when it comes to leading people to Christ, discipling people, reach, gather, equip, lead, all those things we keep talking about. If we don't have an outward expression of our fruit as well as an inward expression... Jesus comes to help us understand that maybe we need to get more in him. Here's the challenge. You and me. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's it's, it's like you go back to the story. I mean, Jesus is, is talking to these 12 knuckleheads, excuse me, 11 knuckleheads. You know, they just kind of got, you just look at their journey about all, having it all figured out and who am I going to sit next to in heaven and all the stuff that they're positioning and jockeying for and their attitudes and their zeal. and the, It's like, he goes, you're the problem. It's you. I, I, love, I love that song by, um, I think it's Switchfoot is called, I Made a Mess of Me. You ever heard that song, I Made a Mess of Me, I Got to Reverse This Tragedy? I want to live the rest of my life alive. He's talking about this. that Man, I just, I'm the problem. I am my own disease is what the song says. I am my own disease. That's <laughs> this whole song about just, you know, that, that often time we get in the way. It's a cool song. You should listen to it. <laughs> but he goes on and again, I just want to read verse five and add, a, add another verse to it. In context to what I've said, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. I want to look at this for a second branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And when you look at that word branch, it actually is translated offshoot, it's translated fruit bearing portion of the plant. And Jesus is trying to drive home this point that his intent for you is to bear fruit. If you're going to be the branch that he's talking about, he not only wants it; he expects us to have fruit. And then he goes and he he, he categorizes um, throughout this particular chapter. He just he talks about like three kinds of leaders. A no fruit leader, a more fruit leader, and a much fruit leader. He talks about these in this particular chapter. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question as we go through this cake, okay, where, God, how do I, how do I get myself to a place where I'm a much fruit leader? What is it in my life? Where do I need, where do I need to be lifted up? Where do I need to be pruned? Where am I missing it? If your intent is that we abide in you and we bear much fruit, what do we need to do? What I need to do as a leader to get to that space? And so he talks about the no fruit leader. It's the first thing he declares. In verse 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Another translation says, he cuts off. Here's the unfortunate part about all of the English translations. They don't accurately describe what the Greek is trying to communicate. Because we think, hey, listen, if you know, what he's trying to do is hack you off and separate you from him. In actuality, that word arrow, it actually means to take up or to lift up, is actually what that word means. And it's giving this impression, and if you, you go back and you study... Um, vine dressers, and you study people that work in the orchards, is they actually, they go and they assess the grapevines and those branches that are now hanging low in the dirt. They want to lift them up and pour water on them and clean off all of the dust and dirt because they know that if they stay on the ground, they won't bear fruit. And so this whole analogy, what this is saying, that, that those of you that don't have fruit. He's not trying to punish you. He's actually going to come to help lift you up. You're fragile. You're an offshoot to get you back on the vine, clean off all of the dirt to help you to be fruitful. And this is exactly what Jesus wants to do to us and for us. And if we just stop and we just think about our own life again, maybe he's He's doing something. He's actually, you're sensing some kind of a dryness or distance or struggle or frustration or a relational breach. I mean, you could just go down all the long list. I think that, that what the Lord's trying to do for us in that particular case, he's, he's trying to get into your space. He's trying to get into your life. And again, sometimes we want to reject it. it just, sometimes it just feels better to stay in the dirt. You know, sometimes it's like, don't touch it. I'm just down there. What he's trying to do is get you out, get the mud off of you, trying to fix an emotional challenge, a a relational challenge. And he he just wants to clean you up. Now, he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. Why? Because he wants you to bear much fruit, inner and outer. And so when you even think about bearing much fruit and you look at, for instance, Galatians 5, just go, when I think about that person, maybe even on staff here, I don't know. Someone else, do I love them? Is there joy towards them? Do I have peace? Am I gentle? Am I kind? Am I faithful? If not, he's probably wanting to help you so that you bear that kind of fruit. And then he talks about the more fruit leader. And he takes it one step further. He says, okay, all of the people that don't have any fruit, I'm going to lift them up. They're fragile. I'm going to get the dirt off. And then he goes to this whole idea of the more fruit leader. And it says, he prunes branches so they bear more fruit. How many are feeling a little pruning? (laughs) Right? Oftentimes, we want to reject it. It's like all of a sudden you're feeling pressure, something's going to move, your job's going to move, your life is going to move, your finances move, a relationship. All of a sudden we begin to resist the very thing that God's trying to do in you to produce more fruit. And when you look at this particular example and what Jesus is talking about, they didn't have any idea what this meant because... This idea of pruning, it's it's, it's the offshoots, not necessarily the whole plant, if you will, but he's trying to help them understand that I'm going to go after some things that may feel like I'm taking you backwards when in reality I'm setting you up to go further forward, right? It's kind of like, I mean, you, you begin to think about kingdom dynamics, like things like tithing, right? It's like, it just doesn't make sense. Okay, so if I give up, 10%, I'll have more than if I had 100%. You just go, ah, Jesus, you need help on math. Some of you, maybe are in a position longer than you want to be. Some of you are saying, I want that new promotion, or I want that new job, or I don't want to do this thing anymore. But maybe he has you still there because he still has more printing to do. See, because as, as you look at this idea, what happens is that The worst thing that can happen to a vine is abundant growth when it comes to the leaves. And what happens when you look at vines, they can look luscious and green, but God doesn't care about the leaves. He cares about the fruit. And so what they do is they cut stuff off so that there can be more energy and sap and focus to go towards the fruit versus the leaves. And sometimes you're in a situation where you're just going, oh my gosh, I don't like that. And why did they get that promotion? Why didn't I? And I want to do this and I want to preach. And why aren't I sitting on that team? And how come I? It's maybe just because. What he's doing is he's saying, I'm trying to get more fruit in your life before we do that. Are you okay? A vineyard's only purpose is to bear fruit. It's not to grow leaves. We can be really busy, but busy doesn't mean fruitful. So when you look at your inner fruit, I mean, do you, do you come, do you just like do you come every day just go, man? I just love people. I just love you. I just peace, joy. Woo! What a wonderful day. I'm happy. Come in all irritated, he's going, no, we got, we got to do some more pruning. So, and you're wanting something more when you can't handle what you already have. Yeah. You so maybe what we want to do is work a little bit more on the fruit category. So he wants to bring more fruit. I honestly think, again, if I could just be open, that there's going to be a whole lot more pruning the Lord's going to do in the coming days my life too. Why? It's because it's a kingdom principle. And he actually wants us as a church family to bear more fruit. So let's don't get disturbed or or bothered by things start moving or changing. It's just like, we we believe we're, we're hearing from the Lord or sensing the Lord doing certain things. And what he's actually doing is he's He's pruning and he's lifting up branches and he's cleaning and he's, he's because he sees something that we can't see. It's like the guys in the garden, they just, they just can't see what's ahead. That's right. We can't see what he has in store for you. And if we believe in his word to be true, that his plans for us are good, not evil, let's just trust in the fact that God is in control and he knows what he's doing. Can I hear an Amen. amen. So Jesus kind of comes to this thought about, hey, really, as you abide in me and I in you, my desire is that you bear much fruit. He wants every one of us in this room, he wants our church to be a much fruit church. He wants you to be a much fruit leader, a much fruit network church, a much fruit missionary. That's his goal. That's his intent. John fifteen eight says this. He says, by this in context to what we're talking about. By this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. Put your name there. That Becky bears much fruit. That Lisa bears much fruit. That Joy bears much fruit. That Danny bears much fruit. That Howard bears much fruit. This is how my father's glorified. This is why you're here when you abide in him. This is my desire that you, put your name there, bear much fruit. And I want to put a diagram on here because um, it's kind of like we've got to understand that there's these these two truths going on and they're they're actually supportive of each other and cyclical in nature. And that is, is that God wants us to abide in him and the result of it is that we bear much fruit. And when we begin to slow down in bearing fruit, he wants us to abide more in him that we might bear much fruit. And listen, who we are is much more important than what we do. But what we do reveals who we really are in him. The two go hand in hand. It's not just about being in him. It's about what you do as a result of that. And so, yes, it is important to be in him, but what we do is revealed by who we are in him. And I think that goes both from the inner and the outer. I mean, it's just like, you know, just, you just, you got to get to this place where we just understand that, that as we move forward, the best thing that we could do is to find ourselves abiding in him. And, and just to finish up this little, little session here, this section, I, I, Jesus quickly rattles off some things here and I'm, I'm trying to put these into some practical things that you can take away because we hear all of this stuff and is, is there some things that he was communicating to his disciples knowing that he would leave, that they would be left with, that they could apply to their life? And so he, he rattles off a couple more things that really talk about how do we abide? How do we abide? The first thing he, he points out is this whole thing, and there's these six ways, which is all right. We'll go to them. Okay, good. Um, the first thing is this. He says, you need to abide in my presence. John 15, four, abide in me. This isn't a do thing. This is a bee thing. This isn't the prayer part. This isn't about you asking God for something or God asking something of you. This is like just being with him. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I often on our days off, I'll say, to her, she, she, I'll say, what do you want to do? She goes, I don't know. She goes, what do you want to do? I said, I don't care as long as I'm with you. Oh. I know that's cute, but what I mean is, yes. I, it, it, I mean it this way. I love you, baby. Come on. here's Here's what we say all the time. I don't care if I'm fishing. I don't care if I'm climbing a tree. I'm going to the mall or a movie. As long as I'm with you, I'm happy. So it's not what I'm doing. It's who I'm with that makes the difference. And if we can look at our life and our world and our journey and everything that we do and just realize as you start the day, just, I just want to be with you. I'm going to go into this meeting. Be with me. I want to be with you. I'm going to get into a conversation. I just like, I just want to be with him. I want to be in his presence. I want to live in him, by him, for him, for his glory. I love Pastor Mark Jones. I love you more than you'll ever know. And you, you model this to us more than anyone else that I know. This morning, I think I got 21 texts. And I just love being in that journey as you're dancing and just being with him. And we just begin to talk. It's just a lot of times it's, it's not even about like I'm praying for this or that. It's just like celebrating the fact that we're in two different houses, but we're like with him. We're just celebrating that we're with him. W-O-W exclamation point. Wow. We go, wow, 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 wow. It's just like, wow, he's here. We're just, wow. Right? Slow down and just be with him. At, wherever you're going, whatever meeting, whatever circumstance, say, God, just, just I want to be with you. It just—it just takes off all the stress and all the pressure and all the challenges. He's with me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He gives me everything that I need. He's just here. He's my rear guard. He's my ever-present help in time of need. I can cast my cares on him, and na I'm in him. It's like relax, take a pill, just like be, with, just like be with him. There's, there's, it's a, G, it's a Jesus pill. It's a Jesus pill. For those of you that, it's already coming up on the Twitter feed. Mark says, take drugs, right? So, So Jesus says this, live in me. Chill out. Just be with me. He then says this, Abide in my word. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and then he adds this contingency, and my words abide in you. We don't have to go very deep into this one, but we know that when you ingest the word, you ingest Christ, the kingdom of God. His word is living. So what happens is that we've got to see what the word says to help us to live the way that he wants us to live. And when we're aligned to his word, peace comes and joy comes and all of those things come as a result of it. And maybe what we need to do is we need to get back a little bit more into the word. I'd encourage you just go back and do a word. Look at the 160 times that you're supposed to be in Christ and just read those. Neil Anderson's book is a great book, Who I Am in Christ. Man, you talk about a great 31-day devotional. I mean, read that for a month, just who you are in him. What does the word say about that? Here's here's the third thing abide in his love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he says this abide in my love. And God's for you. You know, we all went through the freedom and most of us have gone through the freedom thing and we we recognize that when we actually willfully step out and eat the fruit from the wrong tree, it produces the wrong result. But if we're able to stand obedient and recognize exactly who God is for us and that he loves you, nothing can separate you from God's love. He's always for you. He's always for you. He always loves you. He always has your best interest in mind. Deuteronomy seven talks about you are his cherished, personal treasure. It's like he loves you. Nothing can separate you from that. You get into so just, just stop and just go, man. Like I feel loved. Again, I hate keep going back to my wife and I, but I mean, I feel like madly, my wife really loves me. That helps me as a husband and as a person. Like I really feel loved. And again, if you're struggling like with insecurity or fears or doubt, just just get into his love. She loves you. God, just love me right now. I just need your love. He goes, okay. (laughs) Abide in his love. Here's the next one. He says, abide in his commands. We don't like this one. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. We, We don't talk about it much, and we probably should more, but things like holiness, purity, living a blameless life, character, not holding people hostage for things that they've done and just simply just loving people, following his word regardless of how hard it might be. He says, when you do that, when you abide in my word, you abide in my love. He also says, abide in prayer, John 15, 11, I have told you this. You know, the, the only way that you can really hear him is if you're listening to him, right? And and, and again, I, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes in my prayer time in the morning, and again, I, I try to just get multiple hours with the Lord, and sometimes it takes 90 minutes before I even hear him. But I don't want to get up until I hear him. It's like like... Like every day, it's just, you're probably, it's just like the stuff that you're facing every day, just the, even the stuff you know, forget about the stuff you don't know. Yeah. It's like, how can you not just listen? Hey, I got this. I'm on your side. I'm with you. Got this figured out. Your little joy for the day. It's just like all of a sudden he begins, you're in that space where he begins to talk to you. You talk to him. It's this intimate, personal thing. It's not just like this to-do list that you pray through stuff. It's just like, God, talk to me. I talk to you. And something happens as that song says, you know, everything else just gets so strangely dim when our eyes are focused on him. And lastly is this, and then we're gonna pray. Abide in... His purposes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And I I think as you look at this scripture, and again, as it begins to transition to some other thoughts after this verse, but... He's trying to just put an exclamation point on the fact that there's a purpose behind your abiding. Yeah, that's right. yeah. He wants us to be fruitful, Genesis 1. I mean, the first word spoken, if you will, to mankind, be fruitful and what, multiply. From the very beginning all the way through, he's pretty concerned about us bearing fruit. Inward fruit, outward fruit, right? And everything that we're gonna talk about over the next couple of days about reaching Reaching for the one, caring for the one, worshiping the one, building for the one, becoming one. I mean, all of these topics that we're going to talk about, they're the purpose part. They're the fruit part of this first message. And we'll never accomplish any of that if we don't first get this. If we don't abide, we won't bear much fruit. I hear an amen. Amen. And I just, I just felt quickened this morning as I was just praying over this. I, I wanted to read one last scripture that's a prophetic scripture. And if I could have maybe the, the worship team come up. Um, it's a root scripture. I wanna, I wanna water a root for a second because um, something stuck out to me in the scripture that I think is so pertinent. Brother Dick Iverson many years ago, put this word which I believe came from the Lord to us put this word into our heart it hangs in the cafe there speaking of us Joseph is a fruitful vine a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over the wall that's who God's called us to be that, that, that's why you and I are here That's why God's brought us together. I mean, we're just a bunch of strange birds from different places and planets and life and experiences and circumstances and genders and age and ethnicity. And he put us all together. That as we abide in him, we would bear much fruit. We'd be a branch that goes over the wall. That's God's call for us. And I don't know what lays ahead for us, I think that God has some great things for us. I believe there's going to be tough times. There's going to be challenging times. But all of that's just because he's just wanting more fruit. He's just wanting to prune. He's wanting to clean. And we're going to feel all of those emotions. But reality is just like, it's okay, God, because I'm abiding in you. It's just okay. Just okay. So I want you to do something. I want you to stand to your feet. And... Um, I want you just to close your eyes, lift your hands. And I just don't want to sing a song to start. I just, I just want you to just lift your voice and begin to just connect with Him. Just just glorify Him. Come on, lift your
0: voice. Come on. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, again, a great message from our lead pastor, Pastor Mark Estes, just bringing it to us today on the topic of being in the one and just how important it is that we focus our attention on making sure that the time that we are with God is more than enough to sustain the things that our hearts have in them to do for God. And so um, I really hope that this message today has ministered to your heart. Hopefully the Lord has really spoken a fresh word to you. Um, Again, for future episodes, would love to hear your feedback. You can reach me at Rick M at manahouse.church or you can also hit mark daniels at mark d at manahouse.church love to hear your ideas about future episodes so that we can best serve you with that god bless you and have the most amazing day